At Americana Podcast, it is our goal to define and expand on the term Americana as it applies to music. On our 51st State segment, our host, Robert Earl Keane, speaks with musicians about their discographies, influences, and thoughts on the genre. This week, we introduce our Word on the Street segment, a brief discussion with individuals either involved in the music industry or just dedicated music lovers. On today's interview, we speak with Mike Morgan, owner and operator of The Zone Recording Studio in Dripping Springs, Texas. Today, we discuss the ins and outs of The Zone's longevity, construction, and seemingly endless list of musicians who have passed through its doors to bring you the experience we love and know as Americana music. I am your producer and host, Clara Rose, and this is Americana Podcast, Word on the Street. Thanks for being here, Mike. Oh, thanks for having me. You played music before you had the studio, right? Yes, I've been playing music since I was about 14 years old. And how long has The Zone been in business? The Zone will be in its 23rd year in June of this month, of, of this year, I'm sorry. And uh, I had another st- studio before that, uh, the Barn Recording Studio in Austin, that I had from 1982 to 1995. So The Zone is 23 years, but I've been in the recording industry for about 37. And what inspired you to make the leap from musician to studio owner? Well, it was because I was a songwriter, and uh, I discovered that Recording in those days, especially uh, back in the early 80s, was very expensive to do. And I was already a sound engineer and knew how to do that and knew how to operate equipment. So I just bought some equipment really to record my own songs at the time and had no intention of recording other people. And so you, you started doing this by yourself? or I did. Yeah, I started doing it. But I, but I did have, like I say, experience. I'd been out on the road with Jerry Jeff Walker and Taj Mahal and some other people uh, running sound for them. So I was, I, as far as consoles and mics and all that and everything, I had a lot of experience already. You have one of the finest engineers in the country, Pat Mansky, and how did you two meet? We met when Pat's brother was actually cleaning our horse stables for us, <laughs> and uh, he was coming over three days a week. Matt, his brother, Matt Mansky, was coming over three days a week to clean our stables, and then he found out we had a recording studio down here, and they were in a band called The Locomotives, and so Pat came over to kind of hang out and stuff like that and wanted to see the studio. Pat was interested in learning how to run Pro Tools and stuff, and I taught him how to do that, and uh, gave him some things to mix, and right out of the chute, he just had an incredibly good ear, he was very intuitive, and the mixes that he brought back to me, I said, you're very talented, Uh, you you definitely have a a future in recording and mixing and engineering, if that's really what you want to do. And he, and he did, and, and uh, I gave him some gigs when I didn't have time to. I was doing other things or whatever, and I, so I would say, well, you do this session. And, and he got so good at it, and I was traveling a lot at the time that he's just done a great job, and I've just left him there. And, you know, he's, he, like you say, he's one of the best engineers in the country, and, uh, and he's loved by everybody. He's just one of the, you know, greatest people I've ever known, and he's in his 17th year here now. Who are some of the artists that have recorded at The Zone? Well, uh, Robert Earl King, yeah. uh, um, let's see, Ray Wiley Hubbard, Gaelic Storm, they're a, a Celtic band. Uh, we were lucky enough to do the Flatlanders record, Hills and Valley, which is also how Pat wound up becoming the drummer of the Flatlanders. Uh, we did uh, Joey Lee Satisfied at Last, uh, Turnpike Troubadours, uh, Dixie Chicks, we've worked on some stuff with them. We've got the uh, uh, um, just, just Carson from uh, Midland now in here, and he's been bringing in uh, his his band and his guys doing doing some stuff that they're working on uh, right now. So uh, Wayne the Train, we've done f- 
four or five of his last records, Wayne the Train Hancock and Band of Heathens and a whole bunch of different people. Who are some of the favorite artists you've worked with at The Zone? Uh, Lloyd Maines works here about 100 days a year, and, and I just... I just love Lloyd with all my heart. Uh, he's just one of the finest people I've ever known as a human being, much less as a phenomenal producer or musician. Of course, the Flatlanders, Butch and Jimmy Dell and, and Joe, and uh, they're, they're always a great hang. Um, the Gaelic Storm, those guys, uh, maybe some of this audience doesn't know who they are, but they were the band and the Titanic, the, you know, uh, the, that, um, uh, Irish band down below and everything, but we've done their last seven or eight records for Sony here, and they're probably the top Celtic band in the country, and they're, those guys are so much fun to be with. Uh, we love the guys from Wooden Wire. They're a bluegrass band here that's local. They were just nominated for a Grammy uh, back in February. The Traveling McCurries, I think, beat them out, but, man, we're so proud of them to, to have been nominated. But they're, they're also just, there's so many wonderful people. It's a really varied list. It seems like there's a huge spread of the kind of music that comes out of the zone. It, there really is, yeah. So it's just a laundry it's list. Just, it's just, it's, 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 yeah, it, it is. A uh, better question is who hasn't recorded well, at the zone. What is one of the zone's most memorable recording experiences? Snake Farm. Uh, that, that was just fun uh, because... Uh, uh, I know Ray just, you know, he, he always wants to, you know, do something, you know, wacky and stuff like that. And just, you know, he asked me if I had, uh, you know, any large, you know, nuts and bolts laying around maybe any, anywhere. And I had to go collect a grocery sack full of nuts and bolts out of the shop and bring it back down. And, and uh, just at the right moment, you know, Ray would, Ray would take the, the, the bag of nuts and bolts and, 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 and drop it to the floor. And it would just make a particular sound. And we did that. <laughs> you know, on the two and the four, or, or <laughs> just, yeah, just dropping, dro dropping bags of, of nuts and nuts and bolts. That was great. And the most fun in, in a studio for me, and I believe for Pat also, is uh, when bands come in like that and they're performing live. And, I mean, there's some overdubs done on it, but basically it's live performances. And so you've just got all these killer, you know, players in there that are just, you know, world class, like, you know, Brian Bacon, who's like one fiddle champion of the year, you know, four times, national champion four times. So you've got all these great players, you know, playing live and, and, and making this, you know, really great record. So that, those are the kind of things that are so fun. So what other producers, aside from Lloyd, have you worked with here? Well, uh, you know, Pat and I both produce and stuff like that. Uh, some, some bands bring in their, their own, you know, producer, uh, like C.J. Erickson, who's you know who's he's a, he's a he's a producer, but he's also a, a sound man. He's you know he's been working with U2 for years, you know. So he's he's a a great guy to have been working with. Walt Wilkins produced actually quite a few things here with Susan Gibson and some other people uh, that 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 he's he's brought in and, and put through. I'm oh, uh, Ray Wiley. I mean, you know, right. he's he's produced quite a few things actually here uh, on his own that that haven't been his records. Like the Band of Heathens' first record, he produced that, and, and he's produced quite a few other things. Oh, I didn't know he produced that record. Yeah. So we're moving on. Uh, so I understand that you can build and fix almost anything. Uh, the grounds around the zone are covered with your handiwork. Uh, can you list some of the proudest moments in your world of design? Well, the zone actually is, is one of them because I had a real low budget to work with basically back in the early 90s when, when I was going to move from the barn recording studio out to Dripping Springs and whatnot. And so there was a lot of research and everything that went to, into it. One was it's out in the country where things are extremely quiet and you've got some old-time neighbors around that really aren't into rock and roll. 
And so it was more of a challenge of keeping the sound in the building as, as, as much as keeping what you would do normally in a city is want to keep the city noise out when ambulances and things like that are going by. But here the trick was to keep the, the sound in mm. and, and, you know, recording at night and stuff. Drums can be pretty loud and electric guitars can be pretty loud. So, and, and, and it was the flow and, and uh, the ability and the sound and ISO booths and different things like that. And really, other than the expansion that we've recently done, um, there's been no changes to the zone in 22 years, and there's really been no regrets on how it flows and how it operates and how it sounds. So it, that, that, was, that was pretty good for the budget that we had to work with and how it turned out and not really having any regrets on how it turned out. So if someone were to build their own studio, what are your top three things you would say that they need to focus on? Separation of, of, of the walls as they pass from the outside through the inside. It's just like... There's, there's little spacers that you can use where you can attach either, you know, whatever your outside is and whatever your inside is. It really doesn't matter if you're using wood or sheetrock or whatever, but say you're using your, your, your two by fours or your two by sixes as your main, main frame wall, you just don't want either wall on the inside or the outside to directly touch those. There's, there's little angle irons and things like that that you can put to them and then, and then put your inside and outside material on it. It's basically, uh, if you've got, like two tin cans and they're connected with wire and you talk into it, you can hear a couple of hundred feet away. But as soon as you cut that wire, the sound disappears. It can't travel anymore. So it's really separating, uh, uh, never allowing the walls to touch each other, you know, from the center framework. We're going to talk about Americana a little bit. When was the first time you heard the term Americana used as a music genre? Back in the barn. I was working with Darden Smith and Rusty Weir and a whole bunch of guys like that. And um, I would say, you know, that was those early days of Austin and stuff were certainly a huge part of the Americana scene, maybe even before the term Americana came around. It's really been around a long time. Do you think that there's a crossover in the world of Americana and red dirt and Texas country, or do you think those two things kind of fall under the category of Americana? I feel there's a separation. A lot of the Red Dirt bands are kind of a little bit more focused on coming out of college and writing about country roads and beer drinking and parties and, you know, just different things like that. And it, it seems to be a little bit more about the party and the beer drinking and the lifestyle of college and all that. Now, a lot of those guys obviously all developed their writing as they got older. Yeah, so Red Dirt's almost kind of like a teenager, a young adult kind of stage. It, 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 it's, it seems to be in a certain way, but then you've got, you know, Jason Bolin and stuff who, who kind of surpasses that also. Jason's also recorded here. <laughs> my, my, my brain's kind of clicking in as we, as we, as we move on. But, uh, you know, and, and, and Jason's a great writer, great singer, and there's a natural progression and stuff. I mean, and, and, and you can see it if you listen to some of, uh, you know, even the early, you know, cross-Canadian ragweed records. Uh, and, 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 and then the stuff that, you know, Cody Canada is writing now and stuff like that. Great songs in, certainly blew crowds away and drew huge crowds and did a, did a wonderful thing. But, and, and they had some great songs, obviously, back in, back in those days. But uh, we just did his newest record, uh, Cody Cannon and the Departed, and, and boy, he's just got some phenomenally well-written songs on it. That song, uh, Satellites and Meteors, yes. from that record, yeah. it's just a knockout. But there's like that level of growth. Like if you go look back at uh, like Garage, sure, I think in particular, and then you look at what he's done now. You so the writing, there's that line, but it does seem to be a huge level of growth and I don't know artistic expansion and what he's willing to write about. Sure, yeah. it's kind of like one of those things. Like 
David Bowie says, when, when, as you get older, you, be, you start to become the person you always wanted to be. And I think that's kind of the way it is with writers also, as, as you mature and, 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 and get older and stuff and, and, and have, have kids of your own. You're not the kid anymore. You have kids. That you start becoming that writer that you always wanted to be. So you kind of already talked about it, but if you could actually, if, you, if the definition were up to you, how would you define Americana music? Uh, I think it really has to do with, with the songwriting itself, the songwriting, the stories, uh, storytelling, um, and, and, um, and just a, a, almost a, a, a musical painting. Cinematic. Almost. It's cinematic. I yeah. mean, you can see it in your brain while the lyrics are you know, being spoken. As it stands now, do you feel that there's something that Americana is missing that maybe it should embrace? Um, psychedelic drum solos. <laughs> I love that. I would <laughs> kill to hear psychedelic drum solos. The one, the one beautiful thing about uh, you know Americana and Americana writing is you never outgrow it. It's not hard to sell an Americana song if you're 100 years old. As a matter of fact, the older you are, it just seems like a bottle of whiskey. It just gets better and better. That's, that's a really good way of putting it. That's a I think that's, that's all the questions I have for you today, Mike. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. Oh, well, thank you for even thinking about me. I'm honored. Well, we're really excited about it, and uh, we really appreciate everything that we've gotten to do here. All right. Well, thank you very much. All right. Uh, thanks, Claire. At this time, we would like to thank the Zone Recording Studio and our guest, Mike Morgan. Americana Podcast, Word on the Street, is brought to you by Keen Productions. Edited and produced by Clara Rose, with original music by Kim Warner. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of The 51st State. Until next time, let the music play. <laughs>